Welcome back to the next Next Generation podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. Today we're talking about season one, episode 17. Yay! When the bell breaks. When the bell breaks, Wesley will fall. (laughs) Our mission, to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation podcast. Make it so. This episode begins in a slightly unusual way. We're following Riker down the hallway, and he's urgently called back to the bridge when he is run into, I won't say he runs into, he's run into (laughs) by a child. It was great to see children on the Enterprise. We have had mention of all the families on board the ship, and we actually get to see some of them in this episode. Unfortunately, it was just a little too on the nose because they've never really showed the children. So having them show up suddenly meant they were going to be important in the episode. That is a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? Oh, look, we do have kids, by the way, (laughs) before we launch into this plot. I agree. It also set up that Harry, the little boy, doesn't like calculus and his dad is making him do calculus anyway. Those fathers and their calculus. Apparently, eight-year-olds in the future are going to be doing calculus. They're not. No. (laughs) Not until humans have undergone an evolutionary leap that they have not in Star Trek. They are still the same as they are today, just with different laws and social norms. I agree. So, Riker gets back to the bridge. It's a little bit weird. feels weird to just follow him around the ship, even though that was probably their easiest way to set up the episode. And it turns out they're tracking an energy signature. It's very faint. They find out it's coming from Aldea, a mythical utopia like Atlantis, blah, blah, blah. I didn't like that as a convention in this episode. I wish they had done something different. The way Riker is very starry-eyed and Picard even calls him up. We thought you didn't want to miss this. I thought it was really weird that it was Riker who had an interest in this planet. He's not as interested in history and culture as some of the other people are, especially Data and Picard. If anything, they should have had Riker be on the bridge calling Picard back. He seems like the kind of person who'd be more interested in mythology. I agree. And then he could have run into the kids, because he has the time with the kids later. Oh, we fixed it again! (laughs) Good (laughs) for us. If Picard was the one to have the whole hallway scene... That even plays on the first episode where he wants to show an air of geniality Mm -hmm. towards the children on board and the families. We've already established in previous episodes that he is not good with kids. And then he could have had even more of an arc, even in this little episode, of being very uncomfortable when Harry runs into him and unnecessarily gruff, and then having that nice moment with Harry at the end where he reassures him on Aldea. That would have been great. Yeah. Instead, all we get is, here's a child, hates calculus, and Riker is perfectly good with kids. Yeah. Yeah. I did find that really weird, though, how excited Riker was. It didn't feel right for him at all. Very out of character for what we've established previously in this series. So they talk to Rochella. Surprise, surprise, they're human. I was totally shocked by that. Ooh, I just had a great idea. What if they hadn't been humanoids? The reason for only taking six kids, or it turned out to be seven kids at a later point, 
off the ship was they picked some species that was just like them, say Vulcans. And then there could have been extra tension because maybe the Vulcans weren't really comfortable doing this kind of mission. And only after Starfleet gave them so many assurances of safety for their kids would they bring them with them on the ship and maybe their educational stuff they were worried about. So then it could have been even more tense that this alien race, the Aldeans, had picked out those kids. Oh, some racial tension. Yeah. It has some Cultural drama tension. on the ship, not just on the planet. Right. And that would have also explained why they took so few, because that's all there were that were genetically compatible with the Aldeans. Yeah, that was like a plot hole in this episode. Six kids to repopulate your planet and continue your species? I kept waiting for them to address that, and they never did. No. 30 or 40 would make more sense, but... And still be not enough. Looked like there was only six Aldeans left. And they were all old and couldn't reproduce. Also, in Star Trek, in a future episode, yes, they encounter that one civilization that's kind of primitive, but they're floating around in space, and they're going to repopulate their own planet. They're kind of like Irish or something. They address the Founders Effect problem, and there's hundreds of them. And they tell them, like, you can do this, you can populate this planet, but you'll have to, you know, have multiple partners between you to produce a more variety of children. Otherwise, it won't work out. Mm. The point is, they know this is a thing. It wasn't like they never figured that out. So you're saying it's a fault of the writers having it be for the sake of getting to know the personalities of these kids, keeping it so few, when scientifically speaking, Star Trek, as we know, does recognize this founder effect problem. Exactly. It seemed that they were picking maybe the most talented children. Yes. But they kept saying they were going to be the fathers and mothers of a new generation, which is kind of uncomfortable. (laughs) They picked these kids to have sex with each other. They never addressed the problem. It's just not enough people. I agree. They seemed like the kind of society that even without serious problems might have a struggling population stability. They were so focused on intellect and arts, it wouldn't surprise me if they weren't replacing themselves. Rochella seems maybe friendly. Maybe. (laughs) They want to discuss things with the Enterprise, and then they just appear on the bridge. Very unsettling, as the shields were still up. They have really advanced technology. Although we find out they have no idea how to use it or how it works. Beverly is on the bridge when they beam aboard, and she's really worried about disease. Did you notice that? I did notice that. And Picard basically just brushes her off. He's really wanting to make sure start on a good diplomatic footing with this technologically superior race, and so he's sort of brushing aside protocols for that. This is the same kind of thing we keep talking about, diseases that could wipe them out easily. I agree. I think in this case, they were just foreshadowing what eventually happened with Beverly figuring out their radiation poisoning problem. But in reality, yes, they should be very worried about it. Also, they did specifically mention that the transporter does decontaminate. We had surmised that earlier. It was great that that was validated. What should have Picard done? Have them decontaminated somehow? What could he actually do? I don't think he could really do anything. And maybe that's why he did brush her off. Because they probably wouldn't have done what she said if she could have even salvaged it at that point. Right. Since that was impossible, maybe he did think it's better to just worry about diplomacy for now and we can get checked out medically after. I suppose he could have beamed them from one part of the bridge to another using the Enterprise's transporters and that would have decontaminated them. They did specifically say that the Enterprise couldn't beam them from their planet as their shielding was intact. 
I don't think the transporter can just beam you from one place to another. On the ship? You have to either start or end on the actual transporter. Oh, right. You have to beam them from the bridge to the transporter room. But they wouldn't have gone for that. They would have just peaced out if they had tried to do that. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Riker makes a quick turn from being weirdly elated about the whole Aldea thing to being suspicious. He's back to the Riker we know and love. Yay! Oh, thank God. I was so worried. <laughs> yeah, it was Poor Riker. so out of character. Yeah. The opening scene, having him be back to Mr. Suspicious was great. They say they'll go to the planet, the Enterprise people, and then the Aldeans just grab them right off the bridge. I like that they grabbed Troy, Beverly, and Riker. Riker. Yeah, Picard even said, interesting choices. Okay. While the away team is on the planet, a beam looks through the ship and finds the children. So on Aldea, they give them a little history of their people. They were once a successful and ambitious and obviously very technologically advanced race. And now that's all dried up pretty much. They're dying out. They don't know why. And they want the kids. Obviously, it's a direct repercussion of them not investing into the sciences. They've lost their inquisitiveness and they've lost that ability to think mathematically and to really think analytically. They're so focused on culture and art that they don't have the balancing factor of math and science. They don't even understand how their technology works, and it's this steady decline that has really doomed them to their current situation. You can't have all of only arts. Arts are great, but if you just have that and don't have a balance of math and science and other pursuits, your society is going to falter. You need everyone to pull together, being good at various things for it to function. It's not unlike the planet Injustice. Instead of the more advanced group that actually took care of the people Injustice, they just have this computer that luckily is still working. Otherwise, they'd be totally helpless. Very lucky indeed. Yeah. Plus, they have the attitude that the people Injustice didn't have. Exactly. They still think they're so smart and advanced when they can't really claim any of that anymore. Injustice, they were much more primitive. Their days were ahead, kind of, injustice, I think. Yes. Or if they kept evolving, they were ahead. Here, they're way behind. This is actually more like the time machine. Actually, yes, it is. They're not quite to the part of the story that time machine is, but they're getting there. In this case, the machine standing in for the Morlocks. Yeah, they're not quite there yet. They've just forgotten everything, but they're really close. Although, if it's only the six of them, then they're not going to reach that point. That's true. They want the kids. They offer insane knowledge. Lots of exploration of the galaxy, unknown reaches of space that the Federation has not encountered yet, perhaps more advanced shielding technology. Well, they can't really offer that because they don't know how to give it. But at least with their exploration, they're offering to set Starfleet ahead maybe hundreds of years. That is interesting that that is his primary negotiation gambit, information, mm -hmm. when they are so informationally inferior on how their own technology works. They don't even know they're informationally inferior. That's pretty bad. They think they are, have it all figured out. <laughs> yes, they do. Enterprise people say no, because as Troy says, humans are unusually attached to their children. And rightly so. And then they just take the kids. This is the first time I wrote down, this is not enough kids. Yes. The whole enterprise isn't enough people to populate a planet. No, probably not a thousand people. Maybe if you were very careful with your... But you'd have to, like, keep track of the breeding like you do in horses or something. Yes. It would be very difficult. Make sure the genetic lines were diversified enough. Yeah. 
Picard is really mad. Says it's barbarity. He's shouting at the screen towards Radu. He is infuriated. And then Radu just shuts him off by turning off his end of the screen. Goodbye. Talk to you later when you've calmed down. So we find out for the first time about the custodian. The Aldeans really refer to it offhandedly. They just completely take it for granted. They have an officer's meeting on the observation lounge, but the parents are there, which was kind of cool. It's nice to see another side of Starfleet. I'm still with you, though. Different race, all their kids taken. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be great? So much more tension. They're extra mad. But it was nice to see Picard include them in the meeting. Good leadership there. Yeah, he's not leaving them in the dark informationally. He's keeping them up to date on their most current information. And he assures Alexandra's mom they will not leave Aldea without the kids. And that does seem to reassure her. I think the parents really are worried that's a possibility, that they'll just have to go. Yes, with the shield and the cloaking device that the Aldeans have, it's possible they could disappear forever. And it's a real thin tightrope Picard has to walk for negotiations. Mm-hmm. He has to be careful to keep them talking, otherwise they might just leave. He has to keep the diplomatic talks going on a lot longer than they would have. Surprisingly, Radu goes for that. I was surprised. He's not used to dealing with anyone anymore. So isolated that he's not seeing the obvious diplomatic tactic by Picard. The kids meet their units. It's the kind of thing that works on a small scale concept for a story, but when you start to think about all the societal implications, it doesn't really work. How so? If you really had a lot of people, it would never work. Also, what happens if you just don't have anyone left for that group? How do you make sure that you have enough people evenly distributed throughout the groups? Who actually keeps it running that way? I surmise that it was the custodian who was picking how they were grouped, Mm -hmm. living in units of similar interest people in sort of communes. Mm Mm-hmm. We could even go a little more sinister and say that they are genetically bred by the computer to fulfill certain functions. That seemed possible, but it's been so long since they had any new kids. For example, the music guy was all alone. He was. I guess with the units, it just highlighted how close they are to dying out. They said they had thousands of people, but that did not seem right. No. Troy said she sensed thousands of minds. Where were they all? It's a good question. They didn't really show us very many, did they? Also, it seems a little stifling to put kids into something so specific, so young. Wesley's the leader. He is much older than all the other kids. He looks like a little silly with them. Definite teenager, and the rest of them are more like six or seven. A couple of them were a little older, but they were all prepubescent for sure. Radu tells him, you know, you're the leader. You have to help everyone accept their fate. That's your job. And that is not what Wesley does. He really organizes a resistance against the Aldeans pushes the kids and encourages them to fight back in subtle ways. One thing here is Rochella started bonding immediately with Alexandra. When it's time for them to meet their units, Rochella refuses to give Alexandra up. The plan is already messed up, and Rochella might mess things up more in the future. We'll see what happens. Duanna brings Wesley to the custodian to give him access But she can't or won't tell him anything about how it works or where the power source is. Doesn't seem like a good fit for someone with as much talent in propulsion as he has. I agree. They never address what his role is going to be. She just gives him access to talk to the computer, ask it questions. But then what is her role? What was she doing with the custodian? It seemed like she was assigned to it, but then did nothing with it. 
I thought maybe Radu and Duana were kind of the leaders. Okay. Maybe Wesley was going to be groomed for leadership. It doesn't explain why they picked him unless they see good leadership tendencies, I guess. Maybe. It just didn't seem to fit with everything else, especially with his like scientific mind. This planet is not the place for him. Definitely not with their lack of emphasis on technology, like we mentioned. So you don't think that Duana was the computer person? I just don't think they have a computer person. They don't do anything to the computer. Fair enough. Maybe she's the one who gets its commands and executes them. That's kind of what I was saying about the general leadership role. I think the point is, is that it was unclear. Yeah. Seriously, though, the door to the power source is right there, and they've never even pushed it open. It stretched my belief a lot that they could be that uncurious. We're not talking about finding out how it really works or something. It's just like, maybe that's a closet. Maybe there's painting supplies in there. They never pushed it open to see what was inside. It's crazy. Picard and Beverly go to the planet to negotiate. Radu doesn't like that Beverly's coming. Picard pulls regulation 6.57. He does. Which leads to our data of the day. Captain, I am not aware of regulation 6.57. No data, neither am I. I see, sir. Oh, I see, sir. Nice funny moment there where Data honestly acquiesces pretty quickly to some human-style thinking and subtlety. Mm-hmm. He's catching on. Without anyone explaining it to him, he figures out what's going on, shows that he is growing in his humanity. Picard's down there now talking to Radu. Picard warns him that human parents be crazy. That's what I wrote down. Yes. And they won't let this go. Of course not. It's their children. Yep. Beverly is trying to question them on why they can't have kids. They say it's a chromosomal abnormality. She seems to think it's something more. It's that researcher in her. She has to know the source of what the problem is and wants to fix it or figure it out. Well, that makes sense that it wouldn't be that. It'd be weird to have a whole genetic thing passed down that then makes you sterile. That would be weird. I mean, it's possible, but it seems unlikely. They've been a successful species up till now, thousands of years. They do let Beverly see Wesley, and they pull a pretty smooth one on Duanna. Speaking of people catching on quickly, Wesley wastes no time to take the medical recorder, takes it over, and he very covertly scans Duanna. I was still surprised she didn't notice at all. Me too. But she's 100% uncurious and unsuspicious. Radu seems to know they're up to something at this point. Unlike Duana, he is suspicious. Yeah, he just doesn't know what. So when Picard and Beverly get back to the ship, he blasts them away with a repulsor beam three days away. And he threatens, by the way, when they're three days away, he can still come in on their broadcaster. He can. Which is impressive. And he threatens if they don't think better of what they're doing, he'll blast them so far away that by the time they get back, their kids will have their own grandkids. The music girl plays sad songs. Harry carves some wood. We find out all their fish are dead. She's never seen a fish before. Beverly finds out that they're actually just damaged chromosomally. It's not something that's passed on. It's radiation from their shield. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, their atmosphere can't function correctly anymore. Their ozone is ruined. There's acid rain. The fish are going extra heads. No, that's not what happened. (laughs) But it's kind of hurting them in subtle ways. They can't have kids. They're sensitive to light. They're really pale. The fish did die. Yeah, they did. They just died, though. The radiation did kill them. They didn't adapt. Ah, the classic cliche, the thing that's supposed to save you or keep you out of harm's way is what ultimately leads you to your demise. 
in the end, Rochella is the one who says that first. She says it pretty well, too. Having this child around and the possibility of new life and all that has really changed her perspective. Plus, she's younger and more adaptable That's true. than everyone else on the planet. That's when the kids organize their passive resistance. Led by the dauntless Wesley. He handles himself well on this mission. I think so. It's nice to have him contrasted with younger children rather than adults. He can be the most competent one instead of having to try too hard all the time. He keeps his poise well, keeps them comforted, and makes sure that they're going to stick together as a group. As much as he was too old for them to take, having a character we're familiar with in the setting was good. Data and Riker beam down through a fluctuation in their shield. Jordy. Jordy's brilliant plan there. They can't get into the custodian, but they can scramble it so no one else can use it. Picard has his little scene with the kids. Oh. Alexandra hugs him. He doesn't know what to do. Not at all. But then he takes them all back to the main room where Radu and Dwana are. And they kind of have their final altercation. Radu is really mad. Data and Riker scramble the computer so he can't do anything. That's right. He can't beam Picard back to the ship or something like that. Without the custodian, they're pretty helpless as a people. Now, Beverly is telling them what's going on. She does take the time to explain their plight. Rochelle, like we said, she pretty much buys it right away. Mm -hmm. This interaction she's had with Alexandra has really changed her perspective on life. Radu is one of those just, you must be lying because I don't like what you're saying, people. And he's really satisfied about it. Showing a lack of leadership on his part there. That's when we find out they do supposedly have scientists. Beverly is really mad to hear him even say that. That offends her on yeah. some deep level, I think. She's offended, yeah. Rochella does try to intervene, actually. But it's really the disabled computer that saves the day. And then Radu changes his mind, like, immediately. Once again, out of character, unrealistic, poor writing to have a character flip without any sort of extra prompting or motivation. You don't see him make the decision. It's not a struggle. It's just... Well, we need him to go along with things now for the sake of the plot, so we're going to have him change his mind. I think Radu is a politician through and through. Perhaps. He's just going where the wind is going. Yeah, but I still wanted to see him come to that realization. He jumps to it way too fast. Oh, I agree, but I think that's what's going on. He's just unashamedly manipulative of what's going on around him. They open up the door. <laughs> it doesn't have art supplies behind it. It is, in fact, their power source. It's very advanced. Great painting, by the way. Oh, yeah. So they save the day. They fix the ozone layer. They heal the people from their radiation, blah, blah, blah. That's not enough, okay? Their planet's dead. They have all this technology they don't understand at all. They don't even know what calculus is. That's right. Harry knows more than these people. That's sad if a seven-year-old knows more than you. Yeah, and he hates calculus. They're up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> The Enterprise is like, oh, yay, we fixed it. Moving on. Meanwhile, to fix it, they have no shield, no cloaking device. They're exposed to any sort of marauding race to come along and take yeah. them out. They need to at least be part of the Federation and have some people come and help them out. Oh, I agree. They are really exposed and vulnerable to attacks. And they don't even mention that. But seriously, they're not in a good place. It also doesn't fix their problem of not having any kids. Or not having enough population left to make those kids. Right, that's what I mean. They don't have enough population left to make those kids. Okay, 
This was better than the last episode <laughs> because it wasn't a total failure. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't really like it, though. Didn't really enjoy watching it. They did the utopia thing again. The thing with the kids didn't really interest me. You knew it was going to get resolved. At least in the last episode, there were consequences. He actually died. In this episode, they just said they fixed it because they can, because it's on TV. And it just was kind of bleh, whatever. It wasn't really an adventure either. I don't know. I didn't really like it. It wasn't fun. I would give it 5 out of 10 Simon Says Music Instruments. I think the key word I keep coming back to in my mind is convenient. The plot felt convenient. Each of the scenes, too easy. Everything was predictable. We had a data of the day, which is better than the last episode. So I love that. Great to see Jordy taking some action and making some decisions and figuring things out. Nice to see Beverly as a researcher being suspicious and figuring out what's going on. While there were some very cute moments, especially between Alexandra and Picard, we got to see, again, Picard as a diplomat, very strong. Like you said, it wasn't that much of a fun episode, not a lot of stakes. When there's kids involved, you know it's probably going to work out. I found this to be a rather mediocre episode. I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 10 wood carvers. This has been Season 1, Episode 17, When the Bow Breaks. The cradle will rock. Thank you so much for listening. This is the next Next Generation Podcast. Boy, I hope the next one's good. You want to do an after the show chat? Yes. Yeah, I can't do another one like this. There was too much plot in this one. There was no real character development. The plot felt very contrived. Yeah. Too. They pivoted so fast from this mythical society to this whatever, kind of normal, dying out, formerly great civilization. They really set our expectations high. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.